is Nat. And this is Cindy. And this is Marado Lens, a feminist podcast hosted by two childhood friends who talk about embracing your inner bruja, sex, and culture. Always funny, always real. And today we have the lovely Ali Solis. She is the president and CEO of Make Room, Make Room Inc. Um, hi, Ali. How are you? Good morning. How are you? Very well. Thank good, you. good. So tell us a little bit about your yourself and, and your organization. Well, first, thank you both so, so much for having us on. And um, as you mentioned, I'm the president of an organization called Make Room. Mm -hmm. um, Make Room, it's a national organization that was started about three years ago uh, because there are millions of Americans in this country that are forced to pay uh, more than half of their paycheck on rent. Uh, Latinos in particular are, are really impacted by this crisis. So we seek to bring awareness to the issue and to help give voice to those 25 million uh, Americans who are struggling every day. And how I know that you're part of, you know, you work with the White House, the U.S. Congress, the state and even local policy leaders. Um, what has been one of your um, struggles with this um, and with helping um, in particular the Latino community? Well, because there is such a lack of awareness uh, that there is a problem, this is a problem that's, you know, really hidden behind closed doors. It's not something that people really talk about. Uh, you know, 76% of the population that we work with are working one or two jobs. Mm -hmm. And housing affordability, uh, unlike things like education and healthcare, have really never been a national priority. So the hardest part of our work is finding, you know, innovative ways to kind of unhide this crisis mm -hmm. and frankly find new ways to get uh, these um, impacted people, uh, you know, the ability to kind of share their stories with policymakers at the local and the national levels. We've seen an increase in um, in help um, and in funds allocated to these urban communities. So sadly, uh, I would say we, we have not. Now, where we're seeing innovation happening um, is, is mostly at the state and local levels, uh, in part because, uh, you know, if you're a mayor, you, you can't wait for the federal government uh, to really uh, understand the needs that you're facing every day. And right. so we are seeing innovation in places all across the country. Um, last year, we worked in the city of Denver, for example, to create Uh, the first ever dedicated source of affordable housing. So a trust fund, a local trust fund that is supported by the local tax base and um, the city council there that will bring $15 million dollars Of, of new funds. Uh, but while we're seeing increases at the state and local levels, the federal resources have stayed stagnant or declined, uh, unfortunately, as this problem continues to grow. Uh, and add to that the natural disasters that we've seen in so many places across the country. Right. I was just going to say, uh, I mean, look at Puerto yeah. Rico, right? And like mm, the federal yeah. government as well, they're not showing up, I think, um, as much as they should. For sure. No question. My mom is from um, Canaonos in, in Puerto Rico, so it's a real personal issue for me in right. terms of the lack of response that we've seen there. And beyond the you know stories that you're seeing on TV, for those of us that have family back home and are getting real stories about the lack of uh, support and resources, I mean, we're talking about basic human needs here. So, mm -hmm. yeah, for sure. We're, we're extremely concerned about that. Right. It's a humanitarian crisis, I feel, what we're discussing here, not just the, the big um, catastrophe in Puerto Rico and, and, you know, worldwide as well. But what's happening here in the, in, in the other states um, where people who've been living here for so many years are still struggling with making ends meet. Um, and it's all because of the increase of rent and the lack of increase in, in you know, paycheck or in um, 
and their hourly pay. Yeah, definitely. Um, Ali, you mentioned something before that was really interesting. You said Latinos are paying 50% of what they make. Now, is the average still like you're only supposed to be out of your salary, like 30% mm-hmm. towards like rent and mortgages? Is that still true? That, that is still true. That's okay. what the federal standard is. It's it's for rent and mortgage and your utility bills, your basic utility bills. Right. But 30% has been kind of the national standard. And, you know, most most people, even if you're somewhere between a 30 and a 35% or even a 40% rate, um, it, you're, you're able to still kind of make ends meet and not have to make the trade-offs, the kind of trade-offs that the families we're working with are having to make. When you're making, you know, 75% is just going to pay to keep a roof over your head. You are literally making a choice every single month about whether you take whatever you have left over to pay for, you know, medicine for your kids, to buy them food, to buy them, you know, basic clothes that they need to get to and from school. And, you know, there's 9 million children that are living in households that are struggling with this problem. So this is not a small issue that we're talking about, Uh, not to mention the loss of, um, productivity for these families, the long-term mental health risks, the long-term impact on education. We know that, you know, particularly for children that are having to move six different times throughout the school year because they can't find an affordable place to rent, the, the implications are not just for those children themselves, but for the children in those classrooms that are seeing so many, you know, new kids showing up and, and, um, all those kinds of issues. So, so the, so the long-term impacts are really, um, striking. So why particularly the Latino community is paying 50% though? Is it, is it like, what, what is the, the findings behind that? So I would say it's not just Latinos. So let me just say that Latinos in particular have um, this issue with the rental housing crisis where people are paying more than 50% of their income is mm-hmm. for sure having a greater impact on Latinos. But this is an issue that's impacting every kind of demographic that we see across the country, veterans, children, women, et cetera. But for Latinos, uh, which are currently about 20% of the renter households, they're um, projected to account for more than half of the renter household growth in 2013 and 2023. So we expect that over the next decade, Latinos in particular are likely to um, be the larger share of the renter population overall in the country with a you know two to $2.4 million range of growth by uh, 2023. And because, as you mentioned, incomes are stagnant, not really rising, and rents are really rising, um, we suspect that uh, Latino-headed households will be more likely to be more cost-burdened than those headed by non-Hispanic whites. Uh, And those reasons are a few things. One, uh, you know, if we think back to the uh, home foreclosure crisis, uh, Hispanics and Latinos were, you know, greatly impacted Mm -hmm. by that issue. And so we lost a number of, um, you know, sort of affordable households then. Those families then were forced to become renters in a market that was already really constrained. So, you know, we're, we're dealing with a lack of supply of affordable homes all across the country. And when you're a growing segment of the population that tends to be rent burdened. So there are 7.5 million Latinos who are rent burdened today um, out of a total, yeah, out of a total of 20 million. So um, it's a significant number that we're talking. Yeah. And I could totally relate. Thank God for rent control, because I Mm -hmm. don't think she could have made ends meet and I think back to like what she made her and what our rent was and I say thank god because there would have been no other way so 
I, I know that she has been put in that position as well right. to decide like what happens to the rest of the money. Because obviously your first priority is you need a roof over your head. Right. Well, like where else will you go? Well, yeah, Ali and Cindy and I grew up in the same neighborhood. Yeah. So what we saw was what you're what you're saying, where the majority of Latinos living in this community were all rent burdened. Mm -hmm. And they were, you know, it was not that much to to get from the economy either. Um, but that also brings us to, brings me to my next question. Um, our big part of our listeners are millennial mm -hmm. um, and 25 to 34. And a big study is that now they're opting for roommates because of the recession, because of the job market. Um, where does that put us five years from now, 10 years from now? Well, it's interesting. I would say that I think the traditional model of, you know, families and how we define them, uh, you know, for many years in this country is for sure changing that a range of things. We're seeing, obviously, the millennial population really growing and and a variety of interests. So, for example, they're putting off uh, family formation longer. They are uh, often, you know, coming into the workforce with a, with a substantial uh, more uh, uh, student loan and, and other kind of um, debt, so they're credit impaired or, or they don't have access to credit to really uh, become, you know, initial home buyers, or their wages, frankly, are not sufficient in high cost markets to be able to afford a rent, a mortgage, or frankly, even a rent. Mm -hmm. And so we're seeing many more um, uh, families and uh, individuals finding uh, co-housing, co co-sharing options and, and you know, we think in the short term, there may be some innovation, frankly, there. So one of the things that happened in California last year was that they passed a new uh, law that allows for people like my mom. My mom, too, came from humble beginnings, ran a uh, at-home daycare her whole life. And now as she's, you know, because senior and aging, uh, while her home has is uh, been paid off, her, her taxes are rising such that she doesn't have enough income to cover those. So she has taken mm -hmm. in uh, tenants into her home to help, you know, cover some of those costs. And I think as we're thinking towards solutions, uh, we certainly need the federal government's role and the local government's role, but we also think there could be some innovations that allow for uh, new kinds of um, housing options for, for people so that they can live more affordably. Now, we're not talking about overcrowding conditions and, and you know, the living in deplorable places, which we certainly see for the most uh, extremely low-income families where there really are no other options. But, uh, you know, there may be ways that we can think about expanding the supply of affordable homes through things like these accelerated dwelling units, as I mentioned, in California. So I have um, an important question for you. So what, you know, you said, you know, your, your experience with your mother and her situation. So right now, like if our listeners are, are you know, having this personal issue, like what, what is your first piece of advice for them in terms of, maybe contacting local government like what is the first step like they're having a housing issue their mm -hmm. parents rent was raised out of nowhere it's not section eight anymore like what what's like the first couple of steps that they should take well, first of all, I mean, I, I should say that we've created a digital platform so that families can sh and, and individuals can share these stories directly with their members of Congress and their local policymakers, because we think that is the first place of education and awareness that is needed. Mm -hmm. So at, on the Make Room website, makeroomusa.org, 
you can join and meet, you know, through a platform that we've created, sort of uh, connect with other uh, folks in the community that are struggling with similar issues. You can mm-hmm. share your story. And more importantly, really at a quick a click of a button, you can call or email or tweet your policymakers. And why that's important is because we our, our digital platform is interactive. So we have policymakers also responding in turn to their constituents um, through, through technology. So that's one way that we're trying to make it easier for people to connect. Mm-hmm. Most of the families that we work with, when you're working two jobs, you don't have time to take off half a day to go sit with your city council member. Mm-hmm. And so we're, exactly. we've created this new mechanism uh, that you'll be able to connect pretty directly. And we're building out a platform of partners across the country that are providing direct services because Make Room does not provide direct services. We don't yeah, unfortunately, we don't pay rent, but or you know, sort of, or help in those instances. But we are connecting uh, families through partners on the ground, and we are um, partnering with groups like the Credit Builders Alliance, who will help uh, families that you know may need to repair their credit, for example, or to find a local nonprofit in their community uh, to work with to identify other um, potential uh, housing options uh, where they live. So that's, you know, an initial step, uh, which is to, you know, get involved with Make Room and and through our platform, uh, be able to share your story and help us really raise the awareness and the attention of policymakers across the country. Wonderful. I love that there's a digital community that people can access Mm -hmm. through makeroomusa.org. Do you also have grassroots activations where um, maybe you bring the local renters with um, you know, their local mayor and councilmen so that they could have a face-to-face conversation and, and talk about what, what's really needed. Um, so is there yeah. also a physical community that people could tap into? Yeah, absolutely. And next year we're launching uh, what we're hoping to call, the we're calling the Faces of Make Room Tour. And essentially mm-hmm. it's a component that will allow us to be in communities throughout the year um, where we will have a town hall, we will have an empowerment a tent or center where families can come and access resources. We will be bringing, um, you know, partners from financial institutions together to help families that are either unbanked or need uh, support with, um, you know, getting access to uh, traditional banking services, providing financial literacy, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, there'll, there'll be a number of, of ways that families can connect to additional resources. And then we'll be having a town hall with local policymakers uh, to, so that they can hear directly from impacted residents. Uh, we, we think that that is one of the most powerful ways uh, to really bring about change. There are a number of great advocacy organizations in Washington where I work. Um, but too many of them, you know, do not uh, connect directly with um, renters that are impacted. And so we're hoping that these um, meetings that we're having in communities across the country uh, will be a way to really connect residents directly with their policymakers. And um, you can follow that where, where we'll be throughout the year uh, on our website and, and perhaps through partners like yours where, where we can help just let people know what communities will be in um, in 2018. The other thing that we did was we launched a national month for renters. We got bipartisan legislation introduced and Mm -hmm. the Senate is expected to pass. And why that's important uh, is because we wanted to have something that we could really garner attention and support for an entire month uh, with policymakers and partners across the country. So the make room uh, events that will be happening locally throughout the year will really lead up to a big event in Washington in September of 2018. Oh, amazing. We want to be invited mm, to that one. Ali. Hello. Yeah, for sure. And 
I have a really good question for you. So, like, if you are not having an issue, obviously, how can people get involved and support you up until next year, mm -hmm. um, Friday, September 1st? Good question. Yeah, well, fantastic. I mean, the first way is to start by joining MakeRoomUSA.org and becoming one of our advocates and champions. We need people uh, from all walks of life, uh, you know, sort of joining us in this cause and this important cause. Because if you're not directed, I can, you know, imp in directly impacted, I can assure you that one of your family members are, certainly your neighbors, our service and care providers all across this country, people like my mom who are daycare providers. Uh, teachers, you know, I mean, it, it's really impacting all walks of life. So uh, what we need is... And 9 million kids. And well. yeah, 9 mm -hmm. million kids and almost 800,000 veterans, you know, wow. a significant portion of which are Latinos, you know, who are fighting for our country only to come back and not be able to have an affordable home. That's so crazy. I think, uh, yeah, that's the first place. We're, we're trying to get to a million advocates. Um, we have... Uh, we're uh, pushing close to 200,000 right now. So the first step is to is to join this important cause and That's be willing like to speak word. out and share your voice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. And thank you for taking the time on this early Sunday morning to talk to us about Make Room. And if people want to find you on social media, where can they get you? So uh, you can come to MakeRoomUSA.org or you can follow me at Ali at MakeRoomUSA. I think my Twitter handle is uh, Ali Solis. Um, so we'd love to have you all join our efforts and, you know, share your story so we know where we can be uh, drawing real attention and, and hopefully, you know, having more uh, local events as well as online, um, you know, digital activation. So thanks so much for having me. I hope you'll have me back. Thank you. And Jibruk, side note, where are you based out of? I'm based out of Washington, D.C. That's okay. where our offices are. Got yeah. it. Good to know. Um, just if we ever go out to D.C., we might pay you a visit, do a face-to-face -face meeting with mm -hmm. some, with you and maybe some congressmen and women. Yeah, that. we would love that. That would be great. In fact, we just brought families to Congress from all across the country. And if you're in Washington, we'd be happy to bring together some of those families so you can hear directly from yes. folks locally yeah. and their struggles. So we would welcome that. Oh, that would be that's so important. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that, you know, one thing is people hearing you talk about the stats and the need for policy changes. But, you know, I think that when people actually see families that are being impacted by this, um, that's when they they react yeah. um, and they participate more. And I think that our job at Murado Lens is to not just bring awareness, but to mobilize um, and exactly. what better way to mobilize and bring, bring go to the front lines and talk about it. That's right. Well, we love what you guys are doing and we're thankful for it. We need more voices like yours and, and ours out there. So thank you for uh, partnering with us and um, look forward to continuing to figure out how we can do just that. Mobilize for action. That's right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And this is Nat. And this is Cindy. And this is Marado Lance.